0: After years and years of ma'i, I'm going to end up living with my son and his family in a garage. It's a two-story building. Oh. <laughs> it was only half built there, but it had this massive garage. So we are renovating the garage. But well, we have 30 acres out in the country, and we've got a river boundary. And it's right next door to Korupa, which is one of our oldest uh, park sites. Mm. Back to, I think, about 1,100 or 1,400, somewhere back there. So it's, uh, yes, Looking forward it's a family, to it. b- back to whānau.
1: Dr Tony Ruakire is one of 13 children. His mum is one of 19. He grew up in Taranaki and his local heroes, Maui Pōmare and Tirangi inspired a career in medicine. What eventuated was a career as a GP for 40 plus years. He left Taranaki for a period and worked as a chief advisor for the Ministry of Health, Ultimately, home beckoned, which is where I caught up with him at his home in Glen Avon, New Plymouth.
0: I spent all my childhood really in Punyopa. We live right next door to it on a farm. We're a very rich family, um, very well off. We had 42 cows. So
1: you were up at the crack of dawn milking cows? <laughs> <laughs> You're a farm boy?
0: Uh, yes. Now the average farm, the dairy farm would be 400, 600 cows. But we, right. we had 42, and we had uh, 13, 14 of us. It will vary from time to time in the house, and very small, have whare, about 1,100 square feet. But we had 42 acres, and you'd be up in the farm, a uh, dairy farm.
1: When did you decide that medicine was where you wanted to oh, go? Probably to at this? a very
0: young age, I suppose, uh, without any doubt. I think the the one that my stimulus really uh, would have been uh, Te Rangihiro. Um Reading about him and Māui Pōmāre, of course, and uh, both from here, of course, and, but particularly, I think, Tarangihiro. Uh, our high school only went out, out of the Koso Kato up to Form 5, so we had to come into town Right. Uh, to go to six and seven forms. And I think I might have been... There were hardly any Māori at Boys High School. There were about 1,200 pupils, only about half a dozen Māori. There are now 140 Maori at this same school, but in those days education wasn't, was regarded with suspicion by our people. After Parihaka, they didn't trust any, they didn't trust the written word. You couldn't get a camera, for example, like we're doing today into Parihaka till about 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was regarded always with a great suspicion. In our tape records, particularly, because of what what had gone on with the uh, confiscation of lands and the broken promises, etc., etc that they didn't really trust the written word and uh, there was some opposition to education. Consequently, my parents never went to high school.
1: Following in the footsteps of Terangi Tony would graduate from medical school in 1970 and getting from Taranaki to Otako wasn't an issue.
0: I hitchhiked, by the way, but, uh, between Putney Opa and Med School in Dunedin, but 31 trips... We had no student loans then, so you had to get out and walk. <laughs> so,
1: you hitchhiked 31 times
0: I, mm, between
1: Taranaki but, and Otako.
0: It used to take me a couple of days, but uh, we just had to get out there. And, and of course, on the road, roadworks, <laughs> out along the coast, all my whanau on ministry works. And I say, oh, boy, are you still going to school, boy? Hell, you must be dumb. <laughs> My 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 son, he's, he's the engineer in New Plymouth, and he's driving the train. Driving, you know, the, he worked on the railways, you see, you know. Yeah. So, and and then they would also say, oh, the other ones in the family, they're all right. I've done about that fellow. He's a bit off. <laughs> it's hard to think of that sort of situation today, but we're talking way back in the 40s and 50s. And, uh, and you know, somebody going to university, I was the first one from along the coast. Have ever gone to university um,
1: along the coast, you mean the Taranaki? Y- 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 yeah,
0: yeah, um, and that to remain the way for decades, particularly in med school. There's only been since my Paul Murray and Buck, there's only been two or three others who've graduated medicine up until now, of course, when there's a dramatic increase in medical students, you know, which really and that's important, I think, for our students to be, you know. When I was in med school, there were only six or seven, in the whole of med school Now was 600. A lot of us, there was a very high failure rate in the 50s, 60s. We had very little preparation. We're comparing ourselves with the Auckland Grammars, Wanganee Collegiate, Kings, and all those select Pākehā church schools. They were yeah. outstanding. They were less like Teotia, really. We, that was the only one we could match with. Small though we were, when we eventually got through... Uh, well, there's Peter Tapsol, of course, our first orthopedic surgeon. Uh, my flatmate, Mason Jury, uh, Bruce Gregory, who was the MP for Northern uh, Maori. Um, uh, Edu Paul of course, he became professor of medicine, Wellington School of Medicine and dean of the school. Uh, professor Mantell, Conlon Mantel, Mantel Ngaitahu, professor of obstetrics at uh, National Women's. Albi he was our first dental specialist, uh, orthodontist. I don't know, I think he was an periodontist, one of the two, Albi Kewene. So small that we were, we, we did pretty well. The real inspiration when we were at school was a utter. He was the one for workforce development. You know, we had to grow our own. He spent a tremendous amount over decades. He he even ended up in practice with me in Opanaki. I, I, normal practice would be, say... Ten, twelve, hundred 1,200 patients, or well, I had 7,500, a solo rural practitioner. So we'd everything a a doctor on his door and say, boy, you better come and give me a hand. <laughs> and so he ended up in Opanaki. So we, we, we were the first Maori partnership in medical practice.
1: Dr Paratene Ngata attended school in the Awatere Valley in Te Araroa. From there, he went to St Stephen's in Auckland and then on to medical school at Otakau. Dr Paratene Ngata died in 2009 and he was a beacon to many medical students he helped mentor since the early 1980s. He worked for his iwi of Ngatipurau to establish Ngatipurau Hauora and was a founding member of Te Ohu Rata o Aotearoa, the Māori Medical Practitioners Association.
0: I was 14 years in Opinaki. And really enjoyed it. Um,
1: Seven and a half thousand. Oh, I used to live
0: at 700 babies. I was running a maternity home. And and you, a rural practitioner in those days, you worked 24-7. You worked every day, all emergencies. It was very long hours, but a very enjoyable, very um, loyal patients, absolutely loyal, you know. And and you were very much involved with the community. Only the doctor could call out the ambulance, and we used to have 160 ambulance called out a year, so I went all those coming into New Plymouth, 56k, all the road accidents, we, we had the, had the whole lot, but that would have been pretty typical of rural practice back in those days, um, yeah, but it was good life in, in spite of that, then I came to New Plymouth and was in, matter of fact, once again, uh, the only practice for sale was a very lucrative one, I remember
1: reading about, you said something about that was your Rolls-Royce
0: career. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'd have had a Mercedes one or two if I kept there. (laughs) Because the only practice for sale was that practice. I I bought the practice, and I really enjoyed it. We've been six or seven years there. But then, of course, you had to look out the window and you say, hell, there's our people out there, 70% unemployed. So we set up the, I was one of the ones, that, well, the medical director set up Teotihuahua Medical Centre. We were very short of resources. There was uh, very uh, low rates, uh, but we struggled financially. Uh, were there funding
1: contracts that you could go for? Or? Yeah, we
0: did. We, we, we went for what we could get, but it was still, you know, across most pathologies, diabetes, asthma, obesity, every, everything you care to name we are to 400-500% above every pathology, but we didn't have the resources. We'd have mm. the same as mainstream resources, trying to tackle a task four to five times bigger for the same population.
1: Wow. And
0: we just ran out of resources in the end, you know, and difficult to cope. We called, a, or I think we called a, a, one of the marae's in Te Atia, Otarao Marae. We called a meeting, and um, next week, one week later, we put up the plate... Uh, plate, and within a month we'd had one thousand patients. But we needed. We went under the uh, f- the the flagship of uh, Te Atiawa right medical centre, and uh, we had trustees. We were doing actually a good job. We, we 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 connected with the people, and but they were in hard times. Yeah, as I mentioned, seventy percent were unemployed, and that's a very large report, and with the associated pathology that goes with it. Asthma, bronchiolitis, infant mortalities, everything. So that's so. a poverty-related...
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, gosh, she has no doubt about it. And uh, with Wins used to say, I used to give more uh, patients on sickness benefits than pretty well every doctor in town. A lot, lot, lot of illness. And, of course, second and third generations had not had a job. Consequently, when we did get through some of our pupils through to sixth, seventh form, they ended up at Countdown, etc. with due respect to Countdown. They'd never had any money, but their parents had never had any money. So the push for education, if we got them to sixth, seventh form, they could couldn't. They wanted to just get them out working, getting money. Mm. And, of course, being adolescents, they also wanted money. So they picked up, even though they might have made it to year 12, 13, they'd end up running anywhere, KFC, wherever, um, McDonald's, any jobs like yep. that. Way below their academic achievement with respect to to that. However, the, and then we followed another revolution followed that, and now we're into a different kettle of fish right now. And um, we spent decades, uh, Patetini and I, going back and forth to Dunedin, and Mason, lecturing to the medical classes. Marai after Marai, Puppetangri did a great job too. Mm. Oh yes. She met a lot of hostility and her anti, anti-smoking. The Paparangi has, uh, has done great work, you know, as, as leaders.
1: So then, Dr Tony, what's different? We talked about that compar- comparatively that time to this. What 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 has changed?
0: Well, I think 23, to 22 to three decades of people who I've already mentioned. yeah. Sun it's come alight, we've we've got convinced the parents. They realise now, and particularly now we're even going overboard, it's it's educate or die. They, they you hear you hear that sort of comment, you know, mm-hmm. with their kids. I don't know how many Maori we've got doing PhDs, but there's heaps. Now to get in med school not easy. You've got to yes. compete with the rest. Joe, who's more the more dean of l says that we've only had four failures in the last fifteen years. Half them have got that you know, getting back the soul, eh? We, uh, which of course is the basis of final order. And I must mention, when we're talking leadership, I can't go past Tariana too. She's a very, very brave lady. Uh, but we are going to miss her at the leadership uh, at that level, you know.
1: No ngati apa ngauru Kitahi and Natitu Faritu, Dame Tariana Turia received a distinguished honour by Teohurata Rata O Aotearoa, the Maori medical practitioners for her ongoing commitment to improve the health and well-being of Maori.
0: You know the four pillars of health are probably eight bases for vinna water, um but that wasn't the first Pōmere, and Ngata, there were three. those were the three leaders of the turn of the last century. Apirana was there too All from Te Aute. And Paul Muddy and Kohere from um, the coast, he wrote uh, Pipi Wharaurua, a pamphlet on health. You know, people, there was a Facebook in the 1900s. They, through the Māori councils, um, those pamphlets were going all around the motu. And they were giving on hygiene, fresh air, fresh water. Of course, our people were dying in the thousands with infectious diseases. Yes. Clean water, clean air, boiled water, all that um, a bottle feeding of our infants we had a staggering infant mortality rate 60 percent of babies didn't reach the first year mm. Whereas some improvement in 1911 where 60 percent of babies didn't reach four years of age one doesn't want to blame colonization for everything but without any doubt the infectious diseases had a dramatic effect on our people measles rubella uh, typhoid in particular and tuberculosis Wow. All those things, um, I have in, investigated the uh, archives on those reports. Our people were in facing disaster and we were a struggle for survival at the turn of last century, without any doubt. Because one had to look at the medical reports, which were clinical, non-political and devastating evidence, as also living politicians of the day were saying. That's when uh, the young Maui party came in, and one extent we could say that our race was saved by that leadership. Now that's a very heavy thing to say, and everyone, everyone is you won't hear anybody else say this. I do because I've inspected those records and done the research, and there was no doubt about it in their clinical mind we were uh, we wouldn't survive, and we're sixty percent uh, not reaching four years of age. And things like the two uh, infant mortality things were pneumonia and gastroenteritis. Gastroenteritis, uh, giving feeding solids straight out of the hospital was disastrous, they couldn't take it. Uh, bottle feeding, uh, unpasteurized milk, wow. caused massive pneumonia. Our mothers were dropping breastfeeding, so um, they could bring up to the flesh bottle feeding. And they said, well, they destroyed more. Bottle feeding destroyed more Māori than the guns of the British, you know. the very common saying uh, around that time. Turn of the century, of course, we had the flu epidemic. Now, the official figures in the flu epidemic was that of one million Pākehā, the official figure was 5,000 deaths. Of 100,000 Māori, the the official number was 8,500, so 8.5%. But the flu epidemic happened in only six weeks, That's why we're so scared of Ebola. But 8,500 of our people definitely died in six weeks. However, um, because it was stated in that official report, the Maori numbers were grossly underestimated, and now some modern historians are talking about the possibility that 20 to 30%, not only of Maori but of all Polynesia, perished during that flu epidemic of 1918. And that's quite staggering, of course. And that would have been twenty to 30,000 deaths if that was the figure in only six weeks. That's what it lasted. Wow. And thank goodness, as Mason says, the um, the plague never got to New Zealand because that was just as bad over the turn of last century, but it didn't reach as far as here. And there was a bill called the, um, uh, the Maori Councils Act, 1900, The government was very, very worried about the plague, Mm. which is rat flea, rat flea. Uh, They knew that Māori wouldn't really help it. Our health status would spread it, so they became concerned. We couldn't get through this Māori Councils Act, which was they wanted our councils up. They thought they would help our people, the council, but the government was not interested until the plague came along. Then suddenly it went through Parliament and it became known as the Kiore Act. That's the Māori Councils Act of 2000 that went through Parliament. <laughs> we called it the Ki, Ora, <laughs> Ki Act. We formed the Māori Councils, which gave us the structure to implement the reforms. Right. 19 areas throughout the country, and then they had, they, they, they had uh, public lectures, they had hygiene inspectors, and they went from marae to marae doing clean air, clean water, sanitation. Yeah, all of that. was A great work. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a summary of the past. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is amazing. It's such a great historical account.
0: Yeah, well, it's all there. Yeah. It's all there. Obviously, it's all
1: there. <laughs> what are the What are the issues facing Māori today, Dr. Tony? Uh, in terms well, of you've health?
0: got you've got all the four well the four pillars: the handing out of the te the to Whanau, it's all, all the same sort of things, yeah, I suppose, but yeah. there's a lot of the um, uh, obesity and then uh, the, the clinical things are the diabetes, coronary heart disease, cancer. Mm-hmm. Cancer is a uh, major uh, bowel cancer, breast cancer, cervical mm-hmm. cancer, and now i in there. Men, uh, prostate cancer, smoking, of course. Thank goodness it's taken 50, 60 years of getting nowhere. Now we've got a dramatic change in smoking activity. And over the yes. weekend at the, with the Wānanga at Punio, yes. I saw one smoker. Forty years ago, we called a Wānanga out along the coast of Kaaponga. We had six Maori nurses in Taranaka, that's all we had, but they all came. We really were going to give the message to our people about smoking. Okay, that's good. Oh, I thought, how oh, great. Oh, I really felt proud. Then we came to a cup of tea. Ha! Huh? <laughs> no, where's our nurses? Everyone else? They aren't. I went around the back, and there's six Maori nurses smoking, <laughs> baking away at the back, you know. Talking uh,
1: about this cope up, and then cup of tea comes in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: I thought, hello, where are they? And I thought, I'd go look for them. I said, boy, oh boy, I opened up the door, there's a pile of smoke coming up. They all smoke, all got to sick, because all nurses, including my wife there, she was a great smoker. All nurses smoked hey, back in those days. It was the thing, Hey, smoking. Another phenomenon that suddenly changed, all men working down you could walk down demonstrating Street and you put, every man had a cigarette hanging. One year, somewhere around about the 1960s, 70s, 80s, I noticed amongst patients, suddenly mean just went, choo, that cigarette had disappeared, you know? Mm-hmm. And like there was no program, I've got no explanation. I can only record amongst my patients, but there was a dramatic in the seventies, 60s, 70s, 80s, dramatic drop off with men in our practice
1: So Dr Tony, um, when did you retire as a practitioner? Only about
0: two years ago, after 42 years of
1: practice. Was that a tough decision or was it time to hang up the stethoscopes? It
0: was time to get a bit bit wonky Um, Do you miss it? Oh very much, oh yeah Mm. And I had a bit of heart problems too. But my wife, she was my nurse. But uh, I always say to people that uh, she was my nurse before she became my wife. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I mean to say, she's my wife before she became my nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something the other way around. They uh, they meet their nurse, then they become their wife. <laughs> and I've had some fabulous uh, nurses, including several brilliant Pākehā nurses too. And oh, I've got to pay a tribute to them. We've had and midwives, oh, we some fabulous nursing nursing staff, We're very devoted, and, uh, oh yeah, no, we've been very lucky there. In the, and even on the district nurse, there's some great histories of Maori public health and district nurses, oh yes, particularly in the uh, tuberculosis days, chasing our people through saw and hedges and all sorts. Of, but there's a great history there from the league from our district and public health nurses and mm. from the nursing profession. And mm. they're in a revolution right now too. Their numbers are going whoosh, you know, right across the board. And is starting up now. We have a lot of it. Um, um, we, we've got dentists here. We've got uh, Maori dental students here. but They're coming out in the field in their third and fourth year.
1: Last year, Dr. Tony Duakiri made the somewhat reluctant trip to Wellington to attend the ceremony where he was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to Māori health. He recalls that day.
0: <sighs> well, it's right. Oh, I feel honoured, really. Yeah, because it was the people who put me up as Te Atiawa, and of course, having history from Parihaka, they say, "Oh, God, you shouldn't become colonised like this," you know, <laughs> because the same people—this well, is something new for you—the same people who put me up, Te Atiawa. The day I got the government house, they were digging up the gardens in uh, uh, Waitara there and protest that, they <laughs> had. Oh. that, that, that well, the that what it was something to do with the awards, but it was a historical thing because they we had a settlement, and a lot of people were unhappy with the settlement. Of course, for Tiatiaua, so, so it, was quite, it was quite funny. So the, the protest was a show that when, with the ploughing, of course, you know from Parihaka from the ploughing. But it was, uh, was great, good for the family. I think it was good for our people. Um, and of course, the closest thing for us at the moment, we have an English mall. Uh, my daughter's in London, and her Aww. partner's, and we've got this four year old, and she runs our uh, hearts and everything else, you know. <laughs>
1: Whinei te Dr Tony Ruakiri. Now, if you head to our website, we've posted up additional kōrero about Tony, what his favourite books are, his favourite movie. Check out He Kōrero Tapiri on radio.nz.co.nz forward slash